0: This is Dory Clark, and you're listening to Leader Lab.
1: So, who are you, and what do you do?
0: I'm Dory Clark, and right now, especially, I am the author of Stand Out How to Find Your Breakthrough Idea and Build a Following Around It, which is newly released from. Portfolio Penguin.
1: The amazing, outstanding, best-selling standout. Uh, I'm saying that. uh, It's too soon to know, but I'm saying that prophetically. So there you go. People even long term listeners to the show will be familiar with your ideas and even short term listeners to the show will be familiar with ideas because we we talked a a few months ago, uh, several months ago, actually now about your previous book, Reinventing You, which was all about sort of building that brand, et cetera. And I I got a ton of really good feedback from that because uh, a lot of the people that I get to interact with on this podcast, like we we always talk about bridging the gap between uh, research and practice and all of those great things. And a lot of people who listen are people who are trying to do that as well. Right. So there's this whole great, I mean, I I love your work because I'm trying to figure out how to build up thought leadership. Right. And then there's a whole group of people who are listening because they're trying to do that. And to be honest, even if you work inside of an organization, to me, this is a big part of succeeding in 21st century corporation or startup is being known for having your great ideas. Right. We're an idea's economy now. Is that sort of the reason for the book? I I don't want to put that in your head, but maybe it was.
0: No, I I think it's really true, David. I mean, Part of the reason for the book for me personally was that this was a problem that I wanted to solve. I wanted, uh, you know, for my own interests and benefit, I wanted to figure out why is it that some people get to be recognized experts in their field? How, how is it that their ideas break through, that they break through? Because that was something that I wanted to do with my own career. And I figured, why don't I research it and explore it and then tell other people how to do it as well? Uh, because, you know, I... I want the best ideas to win. I want uh, people with smart things to say to get noticed. And unfortunately, too often in our society, the loudest voices win. And instead, I want the best ideas to win. And that's only going to happen if people have equal access to understanding how that process works.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I want to mention, by the way, this isn't some sort of internet marketing thing where I make thousands of dollars or you make thousands of dollars selling secrets of internet marketing to internet marketers, right? (laughs) Dory has been influencing, uh, has been a thought leader for a really long time. Um, and has been speaking to the community both about sort of their personal brand. How do, they, how do they get the ideas that become the ideas they become known for? How do they build out those circles, et cetera? So she, she has practiced what she preached for way longer than this book. Right. Um, but what I love is that I almost took a look back at her own success and thought, hey, how, how did this happen? Right. Let's let's figure out that framework and let's get some research behind it and, and all of that, which is great. The book is really cool to me. The book is divided into, you know, the, we use this term um, thought leader. And you, you actually I love you call it break, finding a breakthrough idea and building a following around it, which to me is the two sort of words inside thought leader. right? Thought implying you have to have an idea. And then leader implying you have to have people who are following you for that sort of idea, right? So let's, let's start there with the idea, right? How do I fight, figure out? I've been, I mean, I've been at this podcasting thing for like five years. Story, how do I figure out my breakthrough idea?
0: Well, you know, in, in a lot of ways, David, um, the, the idea finds you. Uh, and and what, I, what I mean by that is actually, um, I, I think back on my first book, Reinventing You, and you know, there were a lot of things that I was interested in, a lot of topics, and, uh, and what I ended up doing was, um, was blogging. And the, the reason for that was that I wanted to, to write books, and I basically heard back from every publisher, oh, sorry, you, you're, you, you're not allowed to write books. You can't do that until you get more famous, until you build a platform. And so as part of that, I just started blogging like crazy and you know, writing a bunch of ideas. And one of them was this, uh, was this piece that I did for the Harvard Business Review. And, uh, and that, that one kind of caught fire. And it became popular enough, they asked me to turn it into a magazine piece for HBR, which then became my book. It was not a topic that I would have necessarily chosen or predicted um, would be the thing. It was about professional reinvention. But it, it was the thing, and it manifested itself in this kind of iterative process. So I think one thing that, that happens is that a lot of people beat themselves up because they don't already know what their, what their idea is or the thing that they want to get known for. And the truth is, sometimes we just have to live it. We have to, we have to iterate. We have to come up with a lot of ideas. And the right one is going to rise to the top. And there's di- but there's different things that you can do, as I talk about in Stand Out, in order to hasten this process of going through and getting closer to what your big idea is going to be. And so, you know, just one example... Is combining disciplines. For instance, I mean, I talk about uh, folks. You know, your your listeners will be uh, familiar, probably, with uh, with the lean startup methodology, which is you know sort of sweeping the startup and entrepreneurship world. And you know that that is now uh, you know this best-selling book by Eric Ries. But where this came from was the hybridization of something completely old-school, which is Industrial processes from car manufacturing. I mean, lean methodology was pioneered by Toyota, and Eric Reese took it and melded it together with startups and tech entrepreneurship and created something really new from it. So if, if you're willing to take seemingly disparate elements and put them together, that can create something that's a, a really fertile ground uh, for new ideas. And not everything is going to be right, but if the more ideas you try out and you know, the, the more you head in that direction, um, the more signals you will get that shows you, okay, you're, you're on the right path now.
1: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And to me, it's funny. Your, your story sort of mirrors my own as far as the idea of following you, right? The, this podcast actually predates my first book, right? We were doing this for a long time before we had the book. And the podcast is about leadership, innovation, strategy. Those are my three words. I, the, the idea for me is the intersection of those three fields, uh, especially from an evidence-based perspective, right? But I was working on a dissertation and studying specifically that innovation thing when I got the call from the literary agent, right? And so it's like if you ever thought about writing a book, like, well, here's what I'm working on right now right? And it's really funny because there are two sort of groups of people, people who know from the podcast Leadership Innovation Strategy and people who see myths of creativity and like, ah, oh, you're a creativity guy. Well, no, I'm about the intersection of Leadership Innovation Strategy. This was just the first in a pitch of a lot of really, really good ideas. So I think you're absolutely right. It's like like all overnight, overnight successes, it takes 10, 20 years to, uh, to get there, right? 10, 20 years to be an overnight success. Um, and I wonder how many other people are in that in that boat right which i think is really really quite interesting so we have this idea and now it comes to what What i really loved about standout was the clarity of thinking of sort of not not levels like a video game where you level up but kind of right or or you could call them sort of concentric circles but the different Areas of influence as you're sort of growing your influence and building a following. And you outline this in three different chapters. We'll, we'll go through each one in turn, but the, the three are, are sort of your net, we're building your network, building an, an audience, which is different from your network, and then building a um, kind of a larger following or a community around those sort of ideas. And let's, let's take those sort of in turn, starting with this kind of network idea. Now, the network is not the audience. So, what is the network?
0: So the network is, is kind of the, you know, the initial stage that you need to build. Those are the people that you have a direct personal connection with. So you know, we all start out with a network of some sort, you know, your, your friends, your colleagues, the people you already know. And in many cases, they can actually be really valuable to you as you, you know, come up with your breakthrough idea. They might be able to provide, um, important feedback to you. They are people who can help you refine your ideas. They can give you initial support. You know, maybe someone, uh, can give you a speaking opportunity or help you connect to the people you need to know. Um, so you've got, you've got the people who are already in your corner. And then, you know, there's this, there's this part where you need to expand your network because Almost certainly for you know, unless unless we're talking about the Bill Gateses of the world, you probably don't already know everyone you need to know to make your idea spread and be successful. You've got to expand out. And so in, in Standout, I actually uh, talk about strategies that people can use to build this kind of, you know, one-to-one personal network uh, because that that's what's necessary to get you to the next phase where a larger audience can even be exposed to your ideas.
1: Hmm. So um and I heard it I heard you say it one one other place, and I think I've read it, but I, I love this idea too of figuring out. Sort of these three levels are who you're talking to, right? So your network is you're having one-on-one conversations. Your audience is one to many, and community is many to many, which is the goal. I don't know. I don't know if I have many to many yet. But hey, if you want to sign up to be one of those many's, shoot me an email. Um, so we move there from network to your audience, which is which is a totally. I mean, some of these people, I think, and that's actually been one of the hardest things for me is that some of these people become your network. Some of them were already in your network, but still, the audience is a different thing than your network
0: yeah absolutely. And so as you begin to to share content, um, you know if, if you have an idea, clearly it can't just stay in your inner circle. If it's something that you care about, whether well, you want to spread your company, you want to spread a social cause, whatever, uh, it needs to get out to the wider world. And so if if you're just all the time talking one on-one to people, that doesn't really scale. You've somehow got to find scale. And so oftentimes, this is this is really what people think about when it comes to marketing. They think about, oh, well, it's giving speeches, it's writing blog posts, it's appearing on podcasts, that kind of thing. And that is, you know, really uh, a, a sort of critical turning point because you are communicating one to many. And so the distinction that I have in, you know, a network is people that you know and have, you know, sort of two-way relationships with. An audience is where the other people are hearing from you but you don't necessarily know them personally. I mean if we're if we're talking about, you know, like a concert or something, Taylor Swift has an audience. She can't possibly have a one-to-one relationship with the 30,000 people who are in the stadium.
1: So wh- where do you think though that um a lot of people to use like Taylor Swift uh, which is a terrible example but let's go with it <laughs> to use Taylor Swift as an example a lot of, a lot and i i say that only cuz i'm not this a lot of people sort of feel like they have that one to one especially in a digital age have that one to one connection with with the the person even though they're just in the audience right and i and i wonder i call it to me i call this the sort of the facebook problem right is that sometimes you don't know who is supposed to be a facebook friend fan page not connected to you at all etc and so you you've actually written a lot about sort of how this works in a digital era too but yeah how do you i don't know how do you know what category i mean other than the one-to-one relationship how do you how do you keep those separate as it were
0: yeah, yeah, and it, it's interesting. Um, I mean, you know, there doesn't have to be a hard and fast rule too about keeping things separate. It's really more a question of time and scalability. Um, you know, some of those people who are in that circle of, you know, let's say thirty thousand people who want to be Taylor Swift's friend, uh, some of them are actually. I think
1: be- it's a little more than thirty thousand.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so you know, it's, thirty thousand
1: people who want to be Dory Clark's friend. How's that?
0: Hey, there we go. <laughs> so. Within that audience, there's actually going to be some people that even Taylor Swift would say, oh yeah, actually I would like that person to be in my circle. And so a fundamental challenge as you actually grow in terms of your prominence is finding good ways to let in the right people. And, you know, I mean, not necessarily keep everybody else at a distance, but, you know, just recognize that, that you, you can't be everyone's best friend. Uh, and so yes, for Harvard Business Review and elsewhere, I've written a lot about this, this question of, of, you know, networks and how to do it. I mean, in general, because of the way that communication has changed in the internet era, um, people do expect more personal connection and more authenticity from people. This is not about corporate communications. Nobody wants to read a press release written by Taylor Swift's publicist. They want to see a blog post written by her in her voice, or they want to hear a podcast interview where she's talking about her life, or they want to see a meerkat clip uh, you know, so that they can see what she's you know, seeing from backstage. Um, it is about the sort of personal immediate connection, um, and you know, people, people want that. Um, but you know, and I'll take another example, G- you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, is somebody who's very famous for, despite having an extremely large audience doing a tremendous amount of one-to-one, uh, communication and, uh, you know, Dan Pink to, you know, to take yet another example, he too, he actually prides himself, uh, and, um, you know, when I was interviewing him for Standout, he talked about this, that he will personally email back everybody who emails him. This, you know, this is like really, uh, intense because he's a popular guy, but he believes that it's an important investment in his brand. All this is to say, there's not one right way of doing it. Um, however, I think that the main idea is that you have to recognize that you want to retain a relationship with the audience but the, the best way that you can do it is by continuing to create content that reaches them and touches them regularly. If you can find a way to interact more personally with them, whether it's by sending them a tweet or, you know, doing a, like a Google Plus Hangout on air where you're interacting with people more personally, that's wonderful. Um, but there are, there are limits to what people can do. And each person has to figure out in terms of their ROI and their productivity where it actually has the biggest benefit.
1: No, I think that's a really good point. And when you um, if you figure out how to do that and you figure out how to do it well, like people have have done, eventually that audience becomes somebody who doesn't just sort of consume whatever you're producing or listen to your idea, but they start spreading the idea for you. And that I think is really that's the tipping point to abuse uh, an analogy. That's the point in which many starts talking to many and your ideas sort of become bigger than you. Right. That's the goal. I, I guess the good question is how do we get to that? How do we go from audience to sort of empowering our audience to spread the idea for us?
0: Yeah, and you, you put you put your finger on it in a lot of ways, David. It's uh, the, the culmination of ideas, the place where, where, you know, really we've become successful is where we are no longer the only person talking about it. It's where um, other people are the, the brand ambassadors or the evangelists for us. And so someone, you know, like Dan Pink or Gary Vaynerchuk, If they've taken the time to write to you, even if it took them, you know, five seconds or two minutes or whatever, I mean, that's hard. That's hard if you're getting a thousand emails a day to do it. But for those people that they have touched, they become very passionate about their relationship with those people, and they can become brand evangelists. But even for situations where the person hasn't connected with you uh, individually, I think really what enables an idea to go many to many, what enables it to go viral, essentially, is it's actually predicated on the idea itself. It really starts uh, with the DNA of the idea. Because, you know, one example that I like to give is if we look at somebody like Sheryl Sandberg, you know, at the outset, the message of lean in, it really kind of could have gone either way, right? I mean, lean in could have been a message about, hey, I have a book, buy my book. And if that's the message it's not going to carry very far because it's relevant really only to Sheryl Sandberg. Nobody else cares if her book is successful or, you know, why we should do this. But instead, she made the book be the vehicle of a larger message about women's empowerment and about pay equity and about uh, issues in the workplace so that other people were able to look at that to see themselves in it and say, I want to talk about this with my friends and with my colleagues because it's actually a message that's relevant to me. And so if from the beginning your your message is not a selfish message, if, it, if it's a message that is actually about more than just you, um, you know, whether it's a company that really helps people or a social cause that needs to be addressed, that is what can enable uh, the many-to-many idea transmission.
1: Mm. No, I think that's a really important point. And, and true story, and maybe this is just because I, I don't... I'm awful at keeping tabs on what, you know, tech billionaires are writing about. Uh, the first time and first several times I heard the, the lean-in idea, it was from someone other than Sheryl Sandberg. In fact, to date, I think other than an interview I listened to with her about the book, everything that I've heard about about her message has been from someone else. And that's the goal, right? The People picked up the idea and sort of ran with it and, and made it less about here's my idea, aren't I awesome by my book, and more about here is your idea that I put words to, right? yes. Um, which totally you should have you should have included that. I just thought of that and fell in love with it. That should be the name of the book. No, I'm kidding. Um, the <laughs> book the book is stand out because that's the way to stand out. You can't stand out just jumping up and down and yelling about how cool you are. It's about the idea and how the idea empowers other people uh, and how it resonates through those different levels. It's an awesome book. Uh, I wish. I wish you would have wrote it five years ago. would have made my life easier, but whatever. Um, now is better than, you know, the, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Second best time is today. So thank you for, uh, for that. I want to switch, as we always do, from the book to you, ask you our questions. First one is actually about books. What are you reading right now?
0: Uh, right now, because I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking a little, uh, sort of recreational break from some of the more how to business books that I often read. And so, uh, I, I got a review copy of a book that I just, I decided like wow, that's so wacky! I have to know more about it. It is called um, the the Great Beanie Baby Boom. I think that's the name of it uh, by a guy named Zach Bissonette, and it is it is a chronicle of why Beanie Babies in the nineteen nineties became so incredibly popular, and then the market just like evaporated. So uh, the the guy who founded it is just this this kind of crazy character, and uh, so we're we're delving into his story. It's a little like kind of Willy Wonka esque.
1: That's cool. So speaking of '95 bubble throwbacks, right? So I was just listening to an episode of the Planet Money podcast that talks about Beanie Babies first, and then it talks about Magic: The Gathering. You remember Magic: The Gathering?
0: I don't think I was cool enough for that. I remember it. Nerdy enough, (laughs) nerdy. I mean,
1: I never, I never had a deck, but I, I sort of knew what it was, right? And they, they talk about how it had the same trajectory as Beanie Babies, shaping up to be a fad. And then they actually started taking steps and changing their business model to make it sustainable. And 20-some years later, they're still around. I mean, Beanie Babies still are too, but they're not really getting thousands of dollars for Beanie Babies anymore. But this card game is sort of still around by taking the lessons of Beanie Baby and, like, changing the history, which is really cool. So as you're reading through that, check that out. You should listen to it. It's it's really quite interesting. Wow, um, nice. So there you go. I'll, I'll email you the link when we get off here if I can think of it, if I remember it. Um, so that brings us to the next question and I already know the answer, but uh, standout is out. And here's, what's really funny. Normally when we, when we do an interview with a guest right around before or just after they launch the book, right? I ask the question, what's next for you? And everybody goes, Oh, I have, I'm just trying to get this message out. The book is out. There's a ton of work. I'm just, I'm really focused on amplifying that. You have a little bit of a different answer for you. Dory, what's next for you?
0: <laughs> yeah, I am. I am kind of cruising, cruising into another uh, another little micro project, which is that in June I have an ebook that is coming out. Uh, it is uh, you know also with my same publisher, and uh, you know we'll we'll have that released on Amazon and elsewhere. It is an ebook about networking, and uh, it is an adaptation of. Uh, Forbes posts that that I've done over the past couple of years but uh, I put them together in all new ways so it's uh I I like to think it's a pretty uh interesting and cohesive narrative for people who uh want to figure out how to do networking the right way and not be skeezy about it
1: and another book I wish you would have written five years ago so thank you for that (laughs) no I'm kidding um, I think, I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff. Like, I, I, as I read Standout and I think about what it means for this, this uh, notion of networking, right, there's already implications that are there. So I love the idea of taking that and spelling it out and making it easier uh, for me. So thank you for that. We're looking forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, again, the book, Standout, How to Find Your Breakthrough Idea and Build a Following Around It. Dory, for the second time, thank you so much for joining us inside the Leader Lab.
0: David, thanks so much.